in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of the Lord. We are um, thrilled to have Daryl and Cindy Byler with us this morning. Um, yeah, yeah. Daryl <laughs> and Cindy were um, members and served here in leadership many, many, many years. Um, he shared with me this morning that 28 years ago today was his first sermon at WCF. This day, August 13th, 1995. Um, their children then were 6, 12, and 13. Now they are all adults with families, and they have five grandkids. So lots happens um, in our world and in our lives, and we're very grateful that they could be with us today. So God bless you, Daryl, as you bring us the word of God from you. Thanks, Crystal. Yeah, indeed, a lot happens in 28 years. Much to be grateful for. I don't need to tell you that we're living in turbulent times. I'm sure every generation feels this way, but the confluence of events today somehow feels extraordinary. A global pandemic has taken loved ones and upended our patterns of life. The World Health Organization estimates that there have been 770 million cases of COVID worldwide, resulting in nearly 7 million deaths. More than 1.1 million of those deaths have been in, in the United States. We're witnessing extreme weather patterns as a result of climate change, drought-aided wildfires, extreme temperatures, floods, tornadoes, water temperatures off the coast of Florida reaching 100 degrees as hurricane season approaches. Weather stories lead the national news many evenings. Our system of government is being tested severely. Political divides are deep and wide. It's almost as if we live in parallel universes in this country with fewer and fewer things that we agree upon. Wars rage on in Ukraine and 13 other settings around the globe. Today's Psalm, Psalm 46, was written in and for just such a time. The Psalm speaks of the earth changing, mountains shaking, waters roaring, 
nations in an uproar and kingdoms tottering. In short, it sounds pretty much like 2023. Jesus, or Jess, I guess you could be Jesus too, but Jess mentioned in her email to the congregation that Psalm 46 is special to her because her maternal grandmother prayed these verses for her. This psalm became one of my favorites during a six-week silent retreat way back in 1981 when I was younger. Um, particularly the, the phrase, be still and know that I am God. That was for me an intense time of trying to sort out some big issues in my life. And I kept coming back to be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 inspired Martin Luther's well-known hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. J. Clinton McCann Jr. writes that Luther found in Psalm 46 the inspiration, courage, and energy to resist forces that seemed irresistible, and his resolute stand changed the church and changed the world. Psalm 46 is one of 11 psalms written by the sons of Korah. Now this is interesting because Korah was a Levite who led a rebellion challenging the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Korah and his cohort thought that Moses and Aaron were a bit too uppity. In chapter 16 of Numbers, we read that they, that is Korah and his posse, assembled against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. All the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them also. So why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Well, God was not pleased with Korah and his cohort. And you remember the story, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. The earth closed over them and they perished in the midst of the assembly is what it says in Numbers. It's a pretty gruesome image. But as a hopeful reminder that we are not destined to the sins of our ancestors, Korah's descendants went on to serve as gatekeepers at the tabernacle and they wrote 11 psalms, including Psalm 46. And one wonders whether the image of Korah being swallowed by the earth was on their minds when they wrote verse 2, therefore we will not fear though the earth should change and though the mountains shake. Psalm 46 has three stanzas. Each stanza includes an image to help us be resilient in challenging times. And at the end of each stanza is the word selah. Dr. David Allen writes that selah was most likely originally a musical notation indicating a pause in the music for contemplation on what had just been sung. You might translate it, pause and think about it. So the three images in Psalm 46 are first, refuge. God is a safe place during the storm, verses 1 to 3. Second, a river. God's river transforms the most hopeless places. That's verses 4 to 7. <clears throat> and third, rest. We can be still because God is actively at work, verses 8 to 11. These are images we need to remember, images we need to pause and think about when times feel crazy 
and depressing and frightening. So let's start. Stanza one, refuge. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Selah. There's no denying it. Trouble and tumult and turmoil are all around us. What images come to your mind when you think of trouble and tumult? I think about the proliferation of gun violence in our city and the rising homicide rate. I think about the lack of civility in our political discourse. I think about the extreme weather that is gripping much of our country and world. I think about visiting Iran years ago after earthquakes caused the mountains to literally swallow villages. I think about visiting Gaza after the Israeli bombardment pulverized large buildings and entire communities. The devastation was overwhelming. Or I think about the dark night of the soul when God seems not to be present or not to care, or not to listen to my prayers. The psalmist is quick to admit that trouble and tumult are real. They are not imagined. But the psalmist also says we need not be afraid because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And this is true, though the earth should change. It is true, though the mountains shake. It is true, though the waters roar and foam. Amid both cosmic and personal changes in life, the psalmist says we need not be afraid because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In the same vein, Psalm 75 verse 3 says, When the earth totters with all its inhabitants, it is I who keep its pillars steady. In other words, there is a limit beyond which God will not allow trouble and tumult to travel. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What images come to your mind when you think about refuge, about feeling safe and secure? Is it being with a friend who loves you unconditionally? Is it being inside your house, perhaps in the basement, in the middle of a storm? Is it coming home after a hectic day at work? Is it being in this sanctuary with fellow believers? One of my early images of refuge was when I was a child, probably five or six years old, and my sisters and I had the terrible task of taking the, the uh, scraps from the meals out to our compost pile. My, my parents were early composters. And it, it required walking across the backyard, which was pitch black. And it felt like from the back door to that compost station was at least a mile, but it was probably 30 feet. And I remember running there and throwing the stuff in, and heading back, seeing the lights in the house, slamming the door, and then I was safe again from whatever was going to hurt me out there. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
God is the source of our resilience. The image of refuge is mentioned three times in this short psalm, once in each stanza. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Pause and think about it. Stanza two, river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Now this river flows even though the nations are in an uproar and the kingdoms are tottering. God's river brings healing. God's river brings transformation. God's river brings hope. During our six years in the Middle East, one of our favorite places to take visitors was to the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth at about 1,200 feet below sea level. The Dead Sea is 10 times saltier than ordinary seawater, so no creatures can live in its waters. Because of its high salt content, the Dead Sea is famous for its buoyancy. It's almost impossible to drown in the Dead Sea. You just naturally float. The high salt and mineral content of the Dead Sea also make it a popular destination for treating skin problems. So if you have acne or psoriasis or muscle aches or arthritis, take a trip. One of my favorite biblical images is from Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 12, a story about the restoration and the transformation of the Dead Sea. During the Jewish exile to Babylon, the priest Ezekiel had this amazing vision from God. It reads, Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There, water was flowing below the threshold of the temple towards the east. Going on eastwards with a cord in his hand, the man measured 1,000 cubits, about a third of a mile, and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured another third of a mile and led me through the water, and it was knee-deep. Again, he measured another third of a mile and led me through the water, and it was up to the waist. Again, he measured a third of a mile, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Mortal, have you seen this? Then he led me back along the bank of the river, and as I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on one side and on the other. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Jordan Valley, and when it enters the Dead Sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live and there will be very many fish. Once these waters reach there, it will become fresh, and everything will live where this river goes. People will stand fishing beside the sea. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. The fish will be a great many of a great many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. On the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for the food. The leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be food and their leaves will be healing. Now reflecting on this text from Ezekiel 47, the biblical scholar E.L. Allen writes, nothing is beyond the reach of God's grace. 
where God is at work, there is no hopeless situation, no group of people who are beyond redemption, no heritage from an unhappy past which need condemn us to a future delivered over to despair." End of quote. The image of the Dead Sea, the sea that is 10 times saltier than normal seawater, becoming a body of fresh water is a powerful reminder of the scope and breadth of transformation that God is bringing into the world. What feels hopeless in your life? What situation in your life is in most need of transformation, of resurrection? One situation that felt hopeless to me until a few months ago was the possibility of returning Esther Augsburger's Guns into Plowshares sculpture to DC. For those of you who know the story and, or don't know the story, in, in the mid-1990s, Esther was teaching art classes here on Capitol Hill and her students kept talking about family members being killed by gun violence. And she, Esther created this sculpture using more than 3,000 handguns that were from a buyback program financed by the professional boxer Riddick Bow. For years, the sculpture stood at Judiciary Square as a reminder of the powerful uh, image of weapons of violence being transformed into implements that sustain life. But then her sculpture was mysteriously moved without Esther's permission. And for the past 15 plus years, her dream has been to have the sculpture return to Washington, D.C. And indeed, in, in 2017, six years ago, the then chief of police committed to returning the sculpture and wrote a letter with outlining the, the process that would happen. But then just 10 months ago, the MPD abruptly decided they didn't want her sculpture. Well, three months ago, Mayor Bowser's office reached out unexpectedly and said that they do want the sculpture. And this past week, they identified a location for the sculpture and they said, we have the funds to install it. So, Esther's dream may yet come true during her lifetime. Where God is at work, there are no hopeless situations. The nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms are tottering. But there is a river that flows from the throne of God, transforming that which feels dead and hopeless. Selah. Pause and think about it. Stanza three, rest. These verses speak of God's powerful action, God's work. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And because God is active, we can rest. We can be still. We can stop striving and conniving. We can stay in our lane. When things seem chaotic, 
Our human tendency is to try to take matters into our own hands and fix them. But the psalmist proposes a different option. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. A better translation might be enough or stop. It's the same word that the prophet Samuel used in confronting King Saul. In one of those really difficult to understand Old Testament stories, God orders Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites, including their livestock. But Saul has a better idea. He decides it would be good to save the best of the sheep and cattle and offer them as a sacrifice to God. And this was not the first time that Saul steps out of line by offering sacrifices, a role that was reserved for the priest. When Samuel confronts Saul, Saul justifies his disobedience, highlighting his good intention of offering this sacrifice. And Samuel cuts him off, stop, be still, enough. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And you'll remember that this was the point at which God rejected Saul from continuing to be king. Be still, stop. Now this doesn't mean we do nothing, but it means that we stay in our lane. Saul was given a specific job to do, and he got in trouble when he decided he could improve upon what God had asked of him. Stop. Enough. Stay in your lane. It reminds me of driving in Jordan. Uh, when the road has two lanes, Jordanian drivers are masters at creating at least four lanes. <laughs> it's very chaotic. Lines are simply Lines in the roads are simply suggestions at best, and they're very lim limiting and troublesome at worst. But it creates just incredible chaos when you're trying to drive in Jordan. <clears throat> the same is true when we try to play God, when we try to step beyond our human ordained calling. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. Sila. Pause and think about it. I want to close with a story that's a reminder that this psalm does not mean that things that are difficult in life simply go away when we put our trust in God. Last night, Cindy and I spent some time with um, a young man named Dwayne Greenwood. He, you can find him almost every evening if you go to Southwest DC. He sits in his wheelchair by um, the Titanic Memorial, right along the, the Washington Channel. Duane has an interesting story. He, um, maybe six or seven years ago, was shot and put in that wheelchair just a few miles north of the church here at 9th and H. Someone shot him and he's paralyzed. And uh, every night, Duane is out along the Washington Channel, and he knows everybody's name. He knows everybody's dog's name and cat's name. He knows their kids. He knows their story. He listens. He said, he's told me on a number of occasions that 
Um, while he doesn't like being in a wheelchair particularly, he feels like his life has meaning that it did not have years ago. He's come to find his place in encouraging other people, listening to their stories and just offering a word of hope uh, each day. There's no question that we live in times that are difficult. Psalm 46 provides us with three images that can help us be resilient. We need to pause often to remember these images rather than trying to take matters into our own hand. God is our refuge, Selah. There is a river that flows from God's throne, transforming even the most dead and difficult circumstances, Selah. And we can rest, we can stay in our lane, because God is at work, Selah. Amen and amen.